All right, welcome back to the Comeback with Coach. Um, today's a special, not really a special day, but a, a day of remembrance. It's September 11th. This is the 20th anniversary. And I was having lunch with some, some friends of mine from church. And they asked me the question of where I was uh, when that happened. I remember exactly where I was. I was at Fort Meade, Maryland. And the police station had just... Uh, a building that we shared with the fire department and we just moved in i think probably the end of august and we didn't have we didn't have any, there was no tvs like you see now like nobody had a tv um well i don't want to say nobody had it but it just wasn't as popular as now um and the office i shared with the, this uh sergeant she, her husband or boyfriend was in Germany, and he's the one that called us and told us that we'd been attacked or that planes flew into the building. And, you know, I remember going to tell the uh, the sergeant first class who is administrative officer of the police station what happened. And, and, you know, everybody's, the phone started ringing, you know, all hell broke loose. And he said to me, he said, grab a gun, grab a car, and go. You know, and, and that phrase still sticks in my head. That day still is there. Uh, it, it's, it's a tough day. I mean, we lost 2,997 lives that day. And... You know, the world as we knew it had changed. And, you know, my my first wife was pregnant with my And, you know, trying to bring a kid into this new world, this new environment. Um, was a scary thing. I believe I was 23 or I just turned 24 at the time. Um, and it's... Uh, it's crazy to think. And then, you know, I ended up working like almost 48 straight days, 16, 17 hour days. Uh, we, we didn't have enough um, police and soldiers to, to guard the base full time, 24-7. Um, the general, I can't remember his name. I can see his face. Um, but he wanted it locked down. And, you know, there was we had four elementary schools we had a high school we had a middle school all on our base and you know i remember the parents were coming to try to pick their kids up on base and they they couldn't come in because they had no um no ties to the military and uh it was a it was a crazy day uh you know i was telling them earlier my my ex-wife was pregnant with our child and she ended up having to walk four miles to get on to the base because it was taking six to seven hours for cars to even enter the gate. Uh, when I tell you, we, we literally searched every car from top to bottom, inside and out. We were ripping, you know, the back seats off. You know, we had, I mean, we had to get underneath the car. We didn't have mirrors. We had nothing. We had to improvise. We had to improvise um, a lot during that day. Uh to try to make sure that a bomb wasn't going to explode and kill us. Um, we had the 
National Security Agency or the NSA on our base. So it was a pretty sought after target. Uh, we had intel saying that that plane was coming for us, even though people think they were going to the Capitol. Um, I was telling them that the the leader, I believe, is Mohammed Ada, was actually seen on videotape watching um, our police actions in the in the fire departments. Um, everybody's moved basically our day to day operations. He sat a, there was a golf course right across the street, and he sat there like we had him on video. There was a camera that that looked to the front of the building the golf course and you know we'd noticed it was him um there was a mosque that he attended in laurel maryland which was like you know two or three miles from our base and um it was it was a it was a wild and crazy day um we had no idea what happened uh you know not having uh, a tv or you know people every time we search people would come in and tell us what was going on what happened um you know, we would get people were bringing us water. I mean, water, everything. I mean, I don't, I don't, I can't remember how long it worked that day. Um, but it was, it was, it was long, tiring. Um, but the way the country rallied together was was amazing. Um. And it's sad as a country 20 years later where, you know, like, it, it's, it's it's upsetting. It's hurtful. Um, but there's no doubt we were together as a country. Uh, you know, like, watching the Yankees play the Mets and, and the president throwing out the pitch and you know, everybody wearing FDNY, NYPD. It was amazing. Uh, now you don't have the, the players don't even stand for the national anthem. You know, and it, it's it's hurtful because that day, three thousand people lost their lives. We're never talking. Let's not even talk about Iraq and Afghanistan and how many people died. So those people can do what they do. That's why I choose not to watch sports anymore. I haven't watched sports in probably four years. And um, it's it's hurtful, honestly. It, it's you know I, I've had friends that died. I've had you know people come back. The friends now that have PTSD, uh, all kinds of stuff because of these wars and the actions of of terrorists. Man, I mean it's uh it's sad. It's upsetting. It's. I mean, I have a world of emotions right now. I was trying to just get away from today, but, you know, I went, worked out just to, to get some thoughts away from my head and you can't turn on the TV without seeing something, you know, it's well-deserved for those people. But it's hard for the people that were really close to that. Sorry. Um, that whole time of thinking if this car is going to blow up, you know, thinking about 
Is your child going to grow? Grow up fatherless, man. And that's why it's important for these people not to kneel during that national anthem and, and do all kinds of stuff for that flag because these kids that lost their fathers and their mothers so they could do it, so these people can do this kind of thing and kneel for the it's It's disrespectful, man. These, these people are hurt. I'll share a story with you in Fort Hood the year prior. Uh, was it 90? Yeah, it was 2000. One of uh, our investigators was murdered. She was stabbed 37 times. And I was the first person to go in through that house. And understanding she had a five-year-old son that didn't know his father. Now that boy was an orphan. I said, I want an orphan because somebody made a decision to end her life. And I think about that kid all the time. All the time. And wondering how he's doing, you know, and that his mom just, she fought to the very end. And you could tell it was a very, uh, it was a very horrible scene, man. It was horrible. And hopefully that man got the death penalty because he was deserved. I spent almost 15 hours with him. Because I put him in handcuffs and I was with him the whole time. And CID, which is like the Army's FBI. And the uh, Bell County Police, well, the Bell, Bell County Sheriff's Department. Uh, Fort Hood are the ones that asked me to stay with him. Because of... Um, the transfer of custody, just so we didn't lose the case, basically. That's basically how it came down. And, you know, I, I think about Sergeant Johnson all the time and what she gave. I mean, it was a, it was a crazy day. But uh, 9-11 is... is uh, It's not always a happy day. It's, you know, it should never be a happy day for anybody besides those clowns in Afghanistan. You know, that yeah. it's amazing how they just decided to introduce the government on today. Um, but 9-11 was, uh, it was tough. It was really, really tough. Um, the one year anniversary of 9-11, I actually went on a top secret mission, um, to Washington, D.C., me and Sergeant Shea, and because we weren't sure what was going to happen, um, the whole city of Washington, D.C. was surrounded 360 degrees by, uh, air defense artillery. So... I had no idea what I was doing. We were just told to go to Fort Myer and stand by and meet up with a certain person, stay in the room, and wait. We couldn't even leave. We had no idea what we were doing. And then they came, knocked on the door. We had our rifles and our sidearm. We had, you know, we had our weapons, but our job was to guard the air defense artillery. And on that anniversary, if... 
a commercial airliner or or even a a regular plane didn't respond back, our orders was to shoot that plane out the sky. And that's a uh it's a hard thing to think about. That we had the ability to or we had the go ahead to take out a plane if they didn't respond with people on it didn't matter who was on board, we were gonna blow it out of the sky. And thankfully it never happened. But that's a, a story I, I've never shared with with anybody before. Um, but that was our orders. The one year anniversary of nine eleven, that's what was gonna happen. Washington DC was completely surrounded. Um, by air defense artillery, we actually hid in a parking garage. I think it was the fourth, like the fourth rung, and the missile actually stuck out. There was one more floor above us, and the missile stuck out. Uh, you know, the spaces in between the garage, so they couldn't see it from the sky. And that was very real. Uh, you know, and my friends asked me if I if I deployed, but I can remember them coming and asking. Uh, for volunteers, I volunteered because I had served on two deployments prior, early on in my career, uh, and I believed going to Afghanistan. Uh, I didn't believe going to Iraq. I think Iraq was a mistake. Um, I think that was just George Bush finishing what his dad started, but um, I never got the chance to go to Afghanistan, and I wanted to. I've had soldiers that I that I had trained that were under me. Um, deploy and, and you know thank me for um training them the right way because that fort me fort me was a garrison post um i had to take a break till the lady came in to clean the room um not sure where i left off but um it's a beautiful day of remembrance but we, we can't forget the three thousand people that died during the uh 9-11. Um, it's, uh, twenty long years. It's been a very long time, and uh, this country's changed a lot in twenty years. Uh, I don't think we're so much uh, together as we are. We're way more divided now than we ever were, and it's uh, frustrating. But um, there's a lot of things that we can learn from this as, as a country, uh, as human beings, as, you know, the, the more you're kind to your fellow people, um, you get a lot back in return. So I've decided every Saturday here downtown Orlando, uh, I get coffee and donuts for the people that are homeless down here. Um. I've been where they're at. I've been homeless, not as sometimes not as long as them, but you know you always find that way to um, to get back on your feet. And I just let them know, like you know, God loves them, and people don't forget about you. I see them almost every day. I walk through the city downtown, and you know it, it's uh, it's hurting. It, it hurts a lot to see so many people that are um, suffering maybe from mental health, substance abuse, who knows, or just not having that support behind them. I don't know. And I just tell them that God loves them, and, you know, I'll 
every Saturday I try to go and, and at least feed them. Um, I wish I could do it. This I really do. Um, because it would, uh, it would mean, it'd mean a lot to me and I'm sure to them. Um, it's, uh, It's amazing how this country just doesn't really, I don't want to say this country. Well, yeah, they don't take care of the people that are here. Um, you know, I do understand that not everybody can be helped. I understand that. I understand that some people don't want to come off the streets. I understand that. But, you know, when housing prices are astronomical, Downtown Orlando, it's you know twenty five to three thousand dollars a month to just rent a place. It's it's crazy. I mean, people don't make that much money, especially here in Florida, to afford that. I mean, you know, right down the street. I mean, you have the poor with the rich, just like most societies. You take a go down Paramore, you go on the other side of the tracks down by UCF, Amelia. You go down that street, and, and you're in Crosstown, where I spent uh, a month, two months of my life, and it. it it changed my life forever. I, I tell you that. Um, it opened your eyes for sure, most certainly. Um, it's um, over there. It's a doggy dog world for sure. And it's the soccer stadiums down there. Uh, Camping World Stadiums right across the both of those. Locations are across town, and you know you have the the wealthy that go down there. You have you know the middle class that go down there, and, and pay no mind to those people. You know, and uh, they're looking to survive. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of nonsense that goes on down there. I mean, you know, drugs and alcohol addiction. It's it's uh, it's prevalent. It's definitely there for sure. But. Uh, When I was living there, I tried to try to share the knowledge that I had about real estate and and business wise and things of that. And people just, you know, they drew closer to you just to just to take advantage of you. So I've learned, you know, to be selective on on who you share that with. Uh, I made I made a lot of mistakes looking back at that, um, thinking that these people were really. I don't want to say looking for my best interest because they weren't really looking for my best interest, but, you know, it would be snakes in the grass, shall we say. And uh, it's eye-opening for sure. I mean, it uh, it sucked everything out of me, everything, you know, but it, it didn't kill me. That made me stronger. Um some people that are that aren't that lucky and aren't that fortunate that can get out of that situation. You know, I, I knew that isn't where I wanted to be in my life. I knew um, right from wrong, per se. Uh, I, I knew I knew easily I could get sucked into that life. Easily. Um, it was... Uh, It was a month of my life where I made a huge mistake. And I'm paying for it now. I paid for it for the last eight months of my life. 
but it's humbled me. I look at the world in a different place now. And, you know, you have to. You, you have to realize that in a split second, your life can just change so fast. So fast. My life changed in a matter of three, four minutes on January 22nd. Three to four minutes, my life changed. And then February 3rd or 2nd, it changed for for a long time. It's going to change for a year. It's going to, you know, I, I have a pretty important court date coming up on the 5th. And, um... I'm doing the things now because I want to see my children. I want to be a part of their life, and and I deserve it. I'm 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 not a bad human being. It took me a long time to understand that that the decisions I made weren't they weren't good decisions, but it doesn't affect me who I am as a person. You know, I always in my heart, I I always wanted to to do what's best for my children and what's best for them. You know, even though a couple of decisions I made were were horrible, but um, there's not a day that doesn't go by where I don't love them boys or think about them or I want to hold them or just hear them say that they love me. But if I keep fighting, it'll happen. It'll happen sooner than later. Because I know I've been doing the things that that I should have been doing as a father, as a man, as a as a person. Oh, it's it's a struggle. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it's like today in church, we, the third song just man, the lyrics to that song felt like it was talking to me, and it, it did. I wish I had the lyrics in front of me right now, cause uh, man, it hit me hard. Like I was just singing, and all of a sudden, I was like, "Wow, that's me." And I just started crying. It was hard, like, to hold back that emotion, the raw emotion of just being in the presence of, of God and, and having a feeling that people just turn their back on me and you're alone and you're by yourself. And I go to church by myself and I'm by myself. And people know about my sons and, and they see me by myself, and it's, it's that pain and, and the sadness. But I keep driving forward because that's the only thing I know is to keep going forward. I can't change what happened yesterday. 
I can only change what happens today. And I can only change the outcome of my life by staying the course that I want to stay. And it's, uh, it's not lonely at all. I'm alone, but I'm not. I'm happy, but I'm sad. I'm sad because I can't share this time. I'm missing so much of my, of my son's life lives that it's, uh, Not sure what I'm going to explain to them, what I'm going to say to them. You know, I have no idea what their mother has told them. I I don't know what they know. I don't know anything. And all I want to do is just love them and hug them. That's it. That's all I want to do. And I know God's going to help me through this process. Having this podcast has helped me. It's gotten out all these emotions that I felt. It's gotten out. The anxieties and the fears that I have and all I can say to you is you gotta keep fighting. You know, I go to classes three days a week with the VA and you know, I, I see see guys in there that are similar to my situation that are newer to sobriety and you know, when I hear them share their story and I share mine and tell them like, look, man, if it's at least you have your children. I don't. You know, it's not because I was a a, a vicious person or an abusive father. It was just a a judge felt a certain way. And I ended up losing. I'm not mad. I was very, very angry at her decision. And and it killed me, quite honestly. It it drove me to... uh, to go off the rails a little bit more and and I thought like what was me but it wasn't what was me it was I needed that do I agree with my wife did no I don't because I would never put her in that situation I would never do that to her regardless she took a bat to my head and I walked out the house never called the police Never said a thing. She knows it. My kids know it. My kids saw it. My kids screamed. But I didn't want my kids to see that violence coming from their mother. It was my job as a man. I made the mistake. I I owned up to it and I left. But I didn't get that that same courtesy. But... It's neither here nor there. You know, we live and we learn. We make mistakes. Either you become better or you become worse by it. I chose to become better because my children are, are way more important than anything, any drug, any drink that that is out there. There really is. And... I want to be so much a part of their life. And this whole time is just... uh, starts to eat at you. It gets to you. 
you know, not being able to not just to see how they're doing is it, it's uh it hurts, but you know, I pray to God, I ask him to give me the strength and the guidance and just his will on what he wants me to do. And I feel I feel good about it. I mean, it, it is what it is. I have one case that that's pretty bad, you know, and we have to see what happens, and I trust he'll make the right decision, you know. And whatever decision it is, I'll live with it. But just know that you're not alone. You're definitely not alone in your struggles and your fight. You know, you need to reach out, especially Suicide Prevention Month. You know, you have the Veterans Crisis Line. You have uh, the Fight From Within. Miranda's organization is phenomenal. Believe me, I can testify to that because she saved me. And Dre and Red Tape Warrior. I mean, they're in Georgia, but I'm, I promise you, you call them, you reach out to them, Instagram or Facebook or or whatever, they'll help you. I, I, I can I can promise you that because I'm in Florida, and they're in Georgia, and they help me. So. Big shout out to Miranda and Dre, and uh, keep fighting. And if nobody's told you today, I love you.